y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And today in episode 319, I'm connecting you with licensed professional counselor, play therapist, my friend, Carissa Fry. So as we're following the child's lead, why are we doing that? We're following the child's lead because it allows the child to, again, feel seen, heard, understood, and delighted in. Like you care about what they care about. You're interested in what they're interested in. It also models cooperation. And it also, like the power dynamic between a parent and a child, they never get to escape that. You're always the authority. When we do special playtime, we're sharing power with a child which gives them a feeling of, my mom and dad care about my voice, they care about how I feel, they care about what I want and I'm interested in. And so we're sharing power in a really appropriate way for a set period of time. Carissa has come on the show before. It was episode 260 and she talked about the window of tolerance. And it's basically teaching us how we as humans are wired, how our bodies regulate in and out of you know, a quiet, ready to learn space, fight or flight and collapse. And if you need help learning about that, I think it helps us have grace for ourselves and for our kids. And anytime I get more of that, I'm all about it. So go check out that episode. It's linked in the show notes. Today, Carissa is helping us learn how to play. And I know there's a spectrum of parents when it comes to playing with our kids. For some of y'all, this comes really easily and you actually prefer that part of parenting. For others, this is a struggle and you feel a lot of guilt that you aren't playing or that you should play more. Some of you may be going out of your way to spend hours a day playing with your kids and I wanna free up everyone. (laughs) I wanna help y'all and Carissa's here to do that. She shares a lot of tips and keys and, and kind of the motivation of why it matters to play with our kids and really honestly to remove that guilt from the get go so you listen to the rest of this episode, 10 to 15 minutes a day and not even every day is going to make a huge difference if you follow these tips. If you're not able to take notes, I know some of you listen as you're taking walks or driving to work. We have a PDF in the show notes that you could look at or print out that have everything Chris is going to talk about in them. Also, listen at the end of the episode because Carissa has committed to come on our Patreon group and model this. She's going to train one of our mom friends, and we're going to have a couple sessions with Carissa on Patreon. So stick around at the end for more info on that. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Carissa, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think that this episode is going to be a game changer for moms, like a release of guilt, an enabling, like helpful resource. So thank you for being willing to have the conversation with me. And let's just get right into it. I mean, I know you have been on the show before. We have linked to it in the show notes. Their assignment last week was to listen to the window of tolerance so that they could learn from you there. Uh, And today we're going to narrow in on play. And I was telling you, I think, you know, a lot of the moms who listen, they may have multiple children. They may have been in this mom game for a little while. Maybe they've never really enjoyed playing with their kids, but there's this pressure of feeling like they should. 
And we may know that it's beneficial, but like not really knowing how to do it well. And so help us out, like (laughs) help the mom out. One, we know that you work from home. You are a single mom. This isn't like there are moms out there who stay home and they just have tons and tons of time and they're just, all they're doing is playing with their kids. Like you're going to give us some helpful, practical tips for the every mom, right? Yes. One of my goals when I'm working with families is paying attention to the whole family. So how do we equip parents in the day-to-day, the busyness of life with work and school and extracurricular and church and all the things, how do we enter into the world as it is and equip them with like really practical ways to strengthen their relationship with their children? So that's what today is about. Very practical ways to connect with our kids. Yeah, because when someone comes to you as a play therapist, they're maybe at a point where things have gotten really hard and unmanageable. Yes. Often there is acting out behaviors going on in the home. And we see a lot of dysregulation, a lot of anxiety, maybe some um, kind of out of control anger or acting out stuff. And so that's a lot of times, or ADHD, we see the impulsivity, the destructive behaviors, things like that. And then parents are kind of at their wits end and needing help. And what we know developmentally is play is the child's language. Play is how children make sense of the world. They have all these experiences in relationships, at school, body sensations, and through play, they're able to make sense of the world, process the experience, and integrate it, and then come back into the real world, and you see a greater understanding, greater connection, greater emotional regulation, all the good things we want to see with kids as they're growing and developing. Yeah. That's what we want. So before a mom would get to the point of seeking out a therapist, how can you help her today like to integrate play into her dailiness? Yes. So one of the things that I think is so beautiful about play is when our child has a bad day, they don't say, mom, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they are either showing us by acting out or shutting down, Mm -hmm. or they're saying, come play with me. And what a beautiful thing that God has designed. We can all play with our kids. You don't need a bunch of tools. You don't need a PhD. It does require sometimes taking off your teacher or parent hat and entering into just the fun and joy of play. And for some of us that didn't grow up in a family where there was safety and security to play, or we had to take on a bunch of adult responsibilities, or we were just surviving, we missed that opportunity to just play and be a kid. And the gift that we're giving back to our children is we're engaging in play with them. So it does require... Letting go of, you know, 24 hours a day, you're in, you're equipping your child, you're teaching your child, you're parenting your child, you're educating your child. And we're saying, hey, what would it look like if we had special playtime? And special playtime is just a scheduled 10, 15 minutes. 
And for that time, you're going to play. You're going to take off that mom hat. You're going to take off the teacher hat and you're just going to play. Yeah. Yeah. And what that does is it creates, we want to spend high quality time with our child. And when we play, and especially the way I'm going to teach you, when we play with our child, we are getting the most bang for our buck when it's high, high quality special playtime. Y'all are amazing. You are taking time out of your lives to grow as a mom, to grow in learning how to play with your kids. And what I love about one of our sponsors that makes this show possible, FabFitFun is focusing in on growing forth into the spring season. Their spring box is filled with 20 female-founded brands, and you can choose from a wide variety of products. I chose this amazing Josie Marin 100% pure argon oil and every day I'm putting it on my face and it just really it's like my face is thirsty for it now it's kind of used to it I never have put oil on my face ever and I'm loving it I also love you know every once in a while I take extra time in the shower and I use the gloss modern mask it's their clean luxury hair mask it's sulfate free and paraben free and vegan and just feel like I am taking a little time to make myself feel like I'm cared for so that I can take care of my boys. I don't know if you have tried FabFitFun yet, but I invite you to join me. It is such a thrill when that box shows up. I don't know if you're like me. I'm not someone who goes to beauty stores. I don't follow influencers that tell me what to put on my face or my hair or what bags to get. And so I love when FabFitFun does that work for me and connects me with great products. If you want to order your spring box today, sign up and snag products like the Gloss Modern Clean Luxury Hair Mask or the Josie Marin Pure Argon Oil. Use the coupon code DMA10, that's DMA10 for Don't Mom Alone, to get $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. So use that coupon code DMA10 to get $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. So, okay, we're going to get into how a mom plays, especially if she hasn't experienced that. And I love that you pointed that out because part of this too is really habilitation for ourselves, like mothering my inner child or remembering so much of our lives is <laughs> to do and to go and tasks that I think there's a a mutual benefit to rediscovering our childish wonder and our playful spirits so that it, it could actually inform our work. It can inform our other relationships. Um, it's not just this sacrifice that, oh, I have to go and play with my kid because I know it's good for them and it's good for connection and I feel guilty you know, talk to us about like, you You kind of mentioned that play is the language of children, but talk to us a little bit more about those benefits to motivate us to make that special playtime a priority. Yeah. So when we help our children engage in play, or we just allow them free time to play that's unscheduled, that adults aren't intervening, trying to manage, but when we just let our kids play, what we're going to see is an increase in their ability to express themselves. It's going to create a greater awareness of, of who they are, 
what I like, what I don't like, um, what I'm interested in, how I interact with people. We're going to see an increase in those social skills. Those are getting developed as we're cooperatively playing with others. And we're going to see an increase in this sense of self-efficacy, which is I can do it. And self-esteem, which is I feel good about myself. Um, other people like me and like interacting with me. And even when I play the bad guy, I'm still loved and accepted. And so I can try on these different behaviors, these different um, ways of being, and it's safe because we're just pretending. So I can practice all these skills, all these ways of being, all these emotions, and it's safe. And when we're allowing our children that freedom, that's how they're developing those skills that they can then take from the playroom and turn around and use in the real world, in relationships, in schools, on the playground. Sold. <laughs> so those all sound like really good things. And remind us, like, around what ages we're talking about. So really we're looking at four to seven or eight, depending on child order and development. So birth order and development, ideally that four to seven or eight year old range is the one who's going to be engaging in play that you would take. If you take them to a therapist, the best practice is play therapy. Now, if this is the youngest child and they've got a bunch of teenage friends or teenage siblings, right? <laughs> they're not going to, if they're eight, they're going to be like turning up their nose at the idea of pretend play potentially. Yeah. That's helpful because I feel like we're kind of out of that stage of play. Like I have all these toys and things, but it seems like the youngest one, if he's engaging in an activity, it's more creating things, making things, Legos, than it is pretend play. Yes. And on the flip side, if your oldest child or only child is eight or nine, they might still jump right in to playing pretend because that's still, they're still kind of in that phase of child wonder and development and just imagination. Yes. I was that oldest middle. My siblings were like in college and I was still playing with Barbie's pretend play, like storylines and all that thing with a friend into middle school. Like, yeah. Embarrassingly old. <laughs> But I mean, I, I was homeschooled and I didn't know that it was wrong. And so it is, a, it's a possibility for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And what a lovely thing to preserve that part of childhood where it's fun and imaginative and the sky's the limit. And we're, we're really fostering creativity and the imaginative play fosters also like problem solving, which when you get into the real world and you have a job to do, the better we are at problem solving and thinking outside the box and creative solutions, that's a highly valued skill. So we're encouraging that development as well. Are there, I feel like of my four boys, one of mine just wasn't a child who could be in a room and create a play narrative like the other ones could. He would prefer people over playing, like he wanted to be where everyone was. Do you see like there are children who gravitate and play is a little easier, more natural? For sure. Some children 
walk into the playroom and they jump right in. They already have a story. They already have a narrative. They just need one little prop to get them going. And other children, they, it takes some time. They have to kind of wander around the room, explore a little bit. Um, <laughs> And it takes them a minute to decide or start entering into the fun of just playing. And may need like a play partner to kind of model what that looks like. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we want to be that partner. Yes. What does this look like? Walk us through a special playtime. Okay. So special playtime, again, is this high quality time that we're connecting with our child. And when you think about budgeting the time, you can either spend the whole evening trying to get your child to a calm, cooperative, engaged place by correcting behavior and timeouts and all the things, or you can set aside 10 minutes and say, hey, we're going to do some special playtime and you're going to get on the floor or go to the kid's room and do whatever they want to do for those 10 or 15 minutes. And what you're going to see is they're going to feel connected. They're going to see feel seen and understood, and you're going to get a lot more cooperation for the rest of the evening. Yeah. Worth it. It's worth it. And we're talking about a stressful evening of trying to get to bed versus like additional connection and cooperation. I vote for the second connection and cooperation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first thing we need to do is follow the child's lead. So when we follow the child's lead, that means they get to choose what we're playing. And we are not leading by asking questions. I think adults have, until you start paying attention to it, adults have no idea how many questions we ask of children when we play. <laughs> <laughs> it is like every time a child picks up something or is about to do something or is making an action or a story, the parents are like, wait, why are we doing this? What's going to happen next? Da, 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 da. And Every time we ask a question, instead of just following, we disrupt the flow of play because children are very much in their emotions, in their bodies, developmentally, they're not cognitively thinking through everything that's happening. And when we ask a question, we're asking them to step out of their emotion and their body and the flow of play, pulling them up into their thinking brain and making them logic with us. And that's not the productive quality time that they need. Hmm. So we let the child lead. So we, so we sit down we're in a room with whatever toys and we even start with, what do you want to do? Like, how do we even like, that feels like already a question. <laughs> like, right. What do you want to play? Yeah. What yeah. do you want me to do? Yeah. All of that. Okay. So we're going to say, Hey, in five minutes, we're going to have special playtime, and you get to choose what we do together. Okay. And so that's how we're going to say it. And then when it's time, we say, okay, you get to choose. I'm ready to play with you. And we just let them take the lead. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing how you even just changed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's I, need, I need that written down. <laughs> that's so bad. Like, my go-to is questions. Yeah. And this is one of those skills that just takes practice. So instead of asking questions, learning how to reflect instead, which is one of the things that we're going to go over next. Okay. Teach so, me. okay. So as we're following the child's lead, why are we doing that? 
we're following the child's lead because it allows the child to, again, feel seen, heard, understood, and delighted in. Like you care about what they care about. You're interested in what they're interested in. Mm. It also models cooperation. And it also, like the power dynamic between a parent and a child, they never get to escape that. You're always the authority. Mm. When we do special playtime, we're sharing power with a child which gives them a feeling of my mom and dad care about my voice. They care about how I feel. They care about what I want and I'm interested in. And so we're sharing power in a really appropriate way for a set period of time. The next thing we're going to look at is reflecting the child's words and actions. So again, instead of asking questions, we're allowing the child to lead. And maybe the child is showing us they're a bunny rabbit. So they're hopping around and sniffing. And so we're going to verbally reflect what we see. Look Mm. at you. I see you hopping. Oh, you're a bunny rabbit. You're sniffing around. I'm so curious what you're sniffing at. And we're just showing the child, I'm watching you intently. I am listening to the sounds you're making. I am seeing your body language and a kid just eats that up because it's like, I have my parents full undivided attention and they're delighting in me in this moment. And it is just the best thing for a child to feel that from their parents. Has anyone else been hanging out with friends and you're comparing shows that you're loving right now. And then you're asking, okay, but what streaming app is that on? Well, there are so many options out there, but one of my new favorites, and I've told you about them before, is Acorn TV. What I love is there are so many international shows that you can introduce your friends to, and it's commercial free. It's a streaming service that's rooted in British television. And so you know they're going to get great storytelling, mysteries, quirky dramas or quirky comedies. And one of those that's really popular right now is The Other One, which talks about two sisters from very different worlds that didn't know The Other One existed until their father passes away. And if you're a Downton Abbey fan, it has the actress who plays Sarah O'Brien from Downton Abbey. There's always something new to watch on Acorn TV, whether it's a movie, whether it's a new series, and you can stream them on all your favorite devices for just $5.99 a month. So if you want to go check it out and you want to be the one who's sharing new shows with your friends and a new way to do it, escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. Try Acorn TV for free for 30 days. Go to acorn.tv and use the promo code DMA for Don't Mom Alone. That's acorn, A-C-O-R-N dot TV and the code is DMA and you're going to get your first 30 days for free. I'm so curious what shows y'all discover. Please let me know. Send me a DM. Um, I'm always looking for a great new show. I'm thinking through and I mentioned this to you before. The reality of the last year is that we've spent a lot of quantitative time with our children. But what I think has happened in that time is that family members have become more annoyed and less delighted in one another. And so I get that feeling. Like I even feel like at this point, 
maybe I need special playtime with my youngest, but possibly need to figure out a way to have like my oldest son <laughs> have special hangout time with my youngest where he feels delighted in instead of um, so annoying to everyone. That concept, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally feel like the communication I'm giving my children at the end of this pandemic is I'm exhausted. You need one more thing from me and it's just too much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, this is big. This is big, Carissa. Okay. So we're commenting, we're following their lead. We're not asking questions. They feel like they're kind of not in charge, but in charge and leading. So what else do we do? Okay. So another thing that we're doing when we're reflecting the child's words and actions, another part of how we do that is if we don't, we don't know exactly what they're playing out, then we move into narrating. So let's say um, the child is playing with the dollhouse. We may not know the story they're about to tell us or the way that they're going to engage with it. So we just start narrating, you are moving towards the dollhouse. I see you changing the furniture just how you want it. Mm. I'm again showing them, I see you, you have my full attention. I'm increasing their language and communication skills by just verbalizing and putting words to what is happening. And again, I'm not disrupting the flow because I'm not asking questions but I'm staying connected by narrating what is happening. Hmm. And that also allows us to emphasize and praise behaviors that we want to see. So one of the examples that you'll see in the worksheet. So when we see a child playing out, picking up a baby that is crying, we can narrate and add in a little praise oh, that baby was sad and needed some comfort. You are such a good mom. Look at you comforting that baby and loving on her. That's just what she needs. And so we're emphasizing the positive behaviors and increasing, again, their self-esteem because it's like, oh, I can do this. And my mom sees me being a great mom or doing this great job pretending. So that's another piece of what we're looking at is like we're narrating the child's play. How much, I mean, it sounds like, you know, with that, we have to be careful to not talk too much. Yes. Like how much of the playtime, and I know moms, they'll want to know this, like for looking at the 10 to 15 minutes, what percentage should be us talking? Well, so it depends. Anything you say to a child, you should be able to say in one or two sentences. If you're getting longer than that, you're probably saying too much. Okay. So keep comments just kind of brief. Like half the time or less than half the time? Less than half. Okay. So you want to communicate verbally enough so that the child knows that you're, you have their full attention and you're tracking with them and you're putting words to thing. So you might be talking every couple minutes, but you're going to keep it really brief. Got it. So another important key for special playtime is matching the energy and tone of the child. Okay. So again, this communicates, you've got my full attention. 
and the child feels empowered and validated in their energy and the way that they're playing. And so that can look like when a child whispers and is like, we're going to be sneaky. (laughs) You are saying, oh yeah, we're being quiet and sneaky. And so when they go low, we go low. And when a child stands up with a sword and says, on guard, prepare to fight, we're going to say, I'm ready for battle. And so we're going to match them in the volume and enthusiasm. And again, that's teaching that social skill of attuning or matching other people that we interact with so that we're not having these mismatch communication styles on the playground or with teachers. So when a teacher is cueing the child to like, hey, we're going to use our inside voice, they've already practiced that. They know how to do that because we're doing it with them during special playtime. It's huge. I'm kind of wishing my kids were young again, (laughs) to be honest. Okay. And I have a master's in speech language pathology. Like I kind of learned a lot of this stuff, but you know, you get to four kids and you're like, "Eh, I'm over it. Um, Okay. So what else, what else would be helpful? Okay. Another thing we're going to do if, our child is playing, we're going to mirror, mirror them. So if the child picks up the baby and says, I'm feeding my baby, then the parent holds their baby and says, I'm going to give my baby a bottle too. Or if the child starts hiding a treasure, we're going to say, oh, I'm going to hide my treasure now. And so again, we're just following their lead. We're not interrupting with questions. We're just mirroring them. So it allows the play to keep flowing. And if they, this is the wonderful thing about children. If you are doing it wrong, they will let you know. You don't have to worry that you have guessed wrong or you're doing it wrong. They'll say, no, no, no. I'm hiding the treasure. You're going to find it. Oh, okay. I'm going to find it. And then you just go with it. You just reflect back what they just said and you fall in line. We just follow our kids lead. The last thing that we want to really emphasize is the emotional development. And so play is such a great opportunity because, again, it's the natural language of children. And so when we put words to the feelings of a child or the characters that are being used, we are increasing the child's awareness of emotions and how that feels in the body. We're increasing their emotional vocabulary. We're also modeling and showing the child When they get angry and get big, if we're playing, we can be like, oh, I'm scared. And they get to see, gosh, when someone gets bit and yells, this is how it impacts another person. So they're getting real-time feedback on when they display behaviors coming out of big emotions. What does that do to the person that they're with? Which, again, is great practice for the real world. And so we know to not, like, just mirror that when it seems inappropriate. You know what I'm saying? Like if they get really big before, it was like mirror it and get really big too. But if it comes off as like, oh, that's probably like not an an appropriate scenario that I then respond to like a peer might respond. Right. So it can look like if you're a pirate and they're a pirate, we're going to do mirroring. But if they're the grown up and you're the child, then you might respond in a more childlike way to the parents. Got it. Yeah. We need play by place, Carissa. 
Yes. I'm trying to give you lots of examples here. That's so we good. know what to do. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. So what else would be helpful for us to know as we're in this special playtime? Okay. So I want to go over something, some other just tips. So those are kind of the main keys that we want to be aware of and engaging in when we do special playtime. And then here are just some tips to kind of keep in the back of your mind as you're practicing with your kid. And again, all of these are skills that take practice and it really is so different taking off that mom hat, taking off that teacher hat and just going into the play and following a child. So print off the sheet, have it in front of you, practice it. Yeah. And that's how we get better at it. It's good. So we've already talked about, we want to avoid questions we already talked about how we want to put a pause on correcting behaviors or giving commands, because again, all of that takes the lead from the child and pulls the kid back into their thinking brain, or they go into the shutdown place. So we're just going to go with the flow. And that means ignoring inappropriate behavior. So again, 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day, you're addressing all the inappropriate behavior. (laughs) But during special playtime, unless there's danger or destruction, we are just going to go with the flow. Because again, this might be how they need to practice working through something that they keep getting in trouble for. Yeah. And so they might be showing you, sometimes they might have you be the child and they're Mm. the parent and have you act out a behavior that they get in trouble for. And then they are the parent to you and you get to feel, oh, is this what I sound like? Oh, is this how my child is experiencing me in this moment? Which gives you great feedback about how do I want to engage my child differently when I see these acting out behaviors? And it helps them notice what it feels like to be the parent when the the child keeps acting out in a certain way. They might get frustrated. They might get annoyed. And then they're experiencing what it's like for you. So it gives us great communication and experience back and forth from the parent to child when we allow some of this inappropriate behavior because they're practicing. What do I do instead? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because my go- my default is always like, oh, no, no, we don't say that. Or, oh, no, no. <laughs> right. All the moralistic uh, approaches that, kind of shut down connection. Yeah. Yeah. And to go along with that, we may not allow potty talk in the house, but during special playtime, we are going to have a lot of talk about poop. We're going to have a lot of (laughs) farts. I was playing with my son the other night and he, we started out playing this game called sneaky snacky squirrel, which is you know, there's a spinner and there's acorns and there's a squirrel. And then it turned into eating the acorns and pooping them out. And then it turned into all this poop that was being scattered around the house. And, you know, he is seven. He loves talking and laughing about poop. It is hilarious to him. And I have to just take off my parent hat and just be like, all right, we're going to talk about poop for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And he just got the biggest kick out of it. And we're both laughing and both being silly. And that's okay because he can get that out in special playtime. We're going to see less of that at the dinner table because we can say, hey, poop talk is just for special playtime. It's not for the dinner table. Well, and that's why it's funny because he knows it's inappropriate. 
So you've mm-hmm. already taught the lesson that it's inappropriate, right? right. But yeah. we're giving them an out and we're normalizing. Yep. Everyone poops. We don't <laughs> There's know. a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to shame poop, but we just need to be appropriate about it. Yeah. There's times and places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Tell us your whisper technique. I think this is so fun. Okay, the whisper technique. So again, this is something that does not disrupt the flow of play or pull the kid into their thinking brain. Children, it's amazing to me that this works so well. has yet to fail me. When you are in the middle of special playtime and you really truly get to a point where you are not sure what to do. Do I mirror? Do I react? What do I do? That's when we use the whisper technique and we just get really quiet and we say, what do I do next? And the kid will generally whisper back and say, you're supposed to cry (laughs) or give us whatever the direction is. And then we just, and then you go back to your normal voice and you play along with whatever they just said. And so again, the child feels like, okay, I'm, I'm getting to choose. And my mom or dad is just following along with me and the story keeps going And they keep being able to process and make sense of their world during play. So great. What other tips do we need to keep in mind to make this go well? (laughs) Yeah. So another thing that I've noticed parents will have trouble with is if the child wants to play out something really scary Hmm. um, or that involves really adult topics. So I have kids who will come into the playroom and someone in their family has died. And because the family doesn't know how to talk about death or answer the child's questions about death, they are figuring out what death is. And so they're playing out killing. They're playing out bodies that don't move anymore and get buried in the sandbox. And sometimes parents get really concerned or feel like what's happening cannot be good for the child, that they're playing, they're reenacting a death. But again, if we can allow children to enter into these scary things that they don't understand, we're allowing them to process and integrate it. And if we're staying regulated and connected to them during that process, then it takes away the scariness of it for them. That's good. And the same is true. Sometimes when we've got a kid in our lives, that's been exposed to really adult stuff. Maybe you've got a foster child that saw drug use or alcohol or abuse. We have to give them space to process that through play without Mm -hmm. shaming it or correcting it, allowing them to show us what they've experienced so we can be with them in it, but they can practice reliving it while feeling safe and connected to an adult that cares for them. Hmm. That's really good. Yeah. And have you seen scenarios where there maybe a parent didn't know something had happened and it came out in play? Yes, that for sure happens, especially when we've got these instances of abuse. A lot of times that's going to come out in a play therapy room because kids feel so much shame about it. And again, parents are so busy correcting and teaching during play. They don't have the chance to go into the scary, shameful stuff that happened to them. But in a playroom with a therapist, 
there's so much freedom and connection that they can go to these hard, scary places and feel held and supported. And someone else is helping them understand and put words to what happened. So if a parent is in their special playtime and something comes up that they're like, oh, is this okay? What should they do? Should they like, you know how sometimes we can go to Mach 10? Like what's a reasonable response to that? Maybe taking action or not, you know? So yeah, if something comes up during the child, the special playtime and the child is showing you something that is concerning, take your deep breaths. Your number one job is to stay regulated and calm because your child may be communicating to you for the first or only time about what has happened. Right. You go to this dysregulated, scared, angry place, or you just shut down or leave the room. They are going to experience this is not okay. I am not okay. What happened to me is not okay. And I need to hide this and keep it secret. So I would say, keep going with the play, take your deep breaths, stay connected, get curious maybe, or like don't ask questions, but just like do all of the mirroring and the. Yes. Stay in the keys of special playtime. So no questions after special playtime is over. That is when once you are regulated, maybe you've talked to your spouse or talked to a trusted friend, then we circle back to the child and say, hey, I noticed during special playtime yesterday when you were doing X, Y, Z, I wonder if that's happened before. Tell me about that. Hmm. And so we just, we just show some curiosity. We're not leading them. Did that happen to you? Who did that to you? We're just being curious. Tell me about that. Where else have you seen that? Where else has that happened before? And again, your role is not investigator. Your role is not therapist. And so you can also, if you see play like that, book an appointment with a child therapist. Tell them the concern. Because usually if you're seeing something like that, there's probably also a couple of other red flags that are going on. You might have seen a decline in their behavior. You might see a change in their sleep pattern. You might see a change in their potty behavior or eating behavior. And so when we start seeing, or we start seeing grades declining or a lot of acting out at school or daycare together, those things become concerning. And that's when we need to like seek professional help to have someone else kind of start making sense of what might be happening in the child's world. That's good. Okay. What else do you have before we have to, I mean, this is so great, Carissa. We really do need to create a course. I'm telling you, this would be really helpful someday. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> add it to our list. <laughs> right? Yes. We'll just add it to the list. Okay. What are a couple more tips be- before we have to go? Let's see. Before we have to go, I would just say, don't be afraid to practice Again, if you make a wrong guess or you ask a question and it pulls them out of the play, just keep going. It's okay to practice. You're learning a new skill. Your kid is just going to be delighted that you're with them, that you're engaged with them, that you're trying. Kids are so quick to forgive and keep going and being in the moment with you. And so don't be afraid to just give it a shot, see how it goes, and then read back over your sheet and say, oh, I forgot. I asked too many questions or, oh, I need to remember to take off my teacher hat and Mm -hmm. just be in the moment. So just practice, just get out there and practice. Yeah. 
let yourself off that perfectionist hook. You're being an intentional mom who has scheduled special playtime and you are learning a new skill. Those are, that's what you're going to tell yourself. Absolutely. I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And I, like we've said, um, there's a PDF that we've put in the show notes and you can print that off and have that ready. And Carissa, we are so thankful for you and your insight into, again, back to that window of tolerance and helping us understand regulation and then just helping us connect with our children. One last question is how often do you think a parent should schedule or like, what does that look like? Is this like an everyday situation of special playtime? So I never want to burden a parent to feel like there's this impossible standard that they have to live up to. Don't be hard and fast about it, but also be intentional about it. So if you're in a season where you've got more space, you can schedule special playtime three to five times a week and it can make a huge difference. Yeah. When you see your child is really struggling or something really scary or tragic has happened, or there has been a really big change or transition, increasing special playtime is a great idea because you're increasing connection. You're increasing the possibility for the child to practice, process, and integrate what's happening. And so the more acting out behavior or stress, anxiety, or shutdown, depressed behavior you're seeing, the more you want to be doing special playtime. And again, 10 minutes, 15 minutes makes a huge difference. So helpful. And we will link to Carissa's site and where she has so many resources for y'all. Thank you so much for coming on and helping us out and just really, really thankful for you in my life. Thank you. I appreciate being here and I love getting to collaborate with you as we're moms together and trying to just <laughs> equip other moms and be in the trenches with them. Yeah. We we don't want them to mom alone, do we? No. no. All right. Well, you have a fantastic week. All right. See you later. Okay. Are you inspired to schedule special playtime with your kids? I loved all of Carissa's tips. I really do wish my kids were a little bit younger, but even this week with spring break, I told them, I'm like, we're going to do special playtime. And <laughs> one of my boys was like, that sounds weird. And I said, no, it's just time where you get to figure out what we do. Um, we used to call it mommy time when they were little. So whatever you want to call it, I hope that you find time to schedule it. And if you're still wondering, like, what does this look like? And I need more help. Carissa did tell me that she is willing to come on Patreon and another one of our friends, Angel, is going to be the mom that Carissa teaches how to do this, and you can see her process, her journey. We're going to do videos um, and release them over in our Don't Mom Alone Insiders group. If you want to go check that out, it's patreon.com slash don't mom alone. If you want to make sure you get on the list of when those will go live, it'll probably be in the next couple weeks, just go to um, Ola Heather, H-O. Laheather.com. You can sign up for my emails because I always put any kind of news or what's happening in those emails. I just shared my book cover on my email. Uh, that went out today. It's super exciting. Um, pre-orders are now live on Amazon for my book. Y'all, it's just surreal. It's surreal. Uh, thank you all for walking along with me in this journey. I'm going to pray over us real quick. Lord, I thank you that you delight in us. I thank you that 
with Jesus, you modeled this, that when he was baptized, before he started his ministry, before he went to the cross, from heaven you said, this is my son, whom I take great delight. And that that is true for us and you, and that we can share that delight in our children. Please help us remember um, the joy of wonder and curiosity and playfulness, help families to connect after such a hard season that we continue to walk through. I pray for those families in cities and states and places where it just remains to be cold and weather is harsh, that you would give them the new hope of spring, that they would be just reinvigorated in the next few months. And I thank you for everyone who's listening. I pray that they would Lean on you and your Holy Spirit to guide them every moment of their day as moms and dads. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for listening. I will meet you back here next week. I've invited some friends on that are going to teach us how to host a family-centered Seder dinner. If you Maybe your Easter is going to look a little different this year and you want to try a new tradition, I'm a big fan of a Passover meal, the um, Seder Passover meal. It's really cool. It's super cool. So meet me back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.